0: Contentment is an action verb. It's the state of thinking where you are satisfied and at peace with where God has you and what your place in life looks like. A question that I think we might all have to answer is, am I content? If you were in Christ, you should be content in God's loving adoption of you. But in our day and age, comparison can be like a drug. And it's almost too easy to look at everyone else, their skills, their abilities, success, popularity. And if we're not careful, this frequently leads to a selfish desire to have what they have and become dissatisfied with yourself and what God's doing in and through your current place in life. When life circumstances are stressful and difficult, like they are for many of us right now, The temptation is to think how unfair it is, how unfair God is because I deserve something better. So why is contentment so important and how do we find contentment? Join our conversation around the table of the Doxa Dialogue. Welcome to the Doxa Dialogue. My name is David Rudy. I'm the pastor at Doxa Church, and I have two friends at the table with me who've actually been on the podcast for a while, but they have never been together in the same episode. Amanda and Steve. Good evening. Good
1: to be back. Good evening, everyone. It's awesome to be here.
0: Yeah. So great to have you all. How was your Thanksgiving? Amazing. Yeah.
2: Uh, We had uh, three. So they were all good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> lots of turkey, lots, lots, of lots of sides.
2: Turkey and sides, and way too much dessert. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Really oh, yeah. And you got to go over to Kaylin and Jenny's? Yeah,
1: to their parents' place, just the other side of Greenville. So on a farm, we just had a real country, good Thanksgiving. Was that couple. your first Amazing. American
2: Thanksgiving or had you had an American-style one before? So I think,
1: I, you know, we've been in the United States previously, but I don't think we'd been invited to anyone on a Thanksgiving. So this is the first time spending it with an American family getting <laughs> an American sp- perspective on Thanksgiving. So it is. I'm pretty thankful. That's wonderful.
0: (laughs) We played a lot of games at our Thanksgiving. Did did you play any games, Amanda?
2: We were all way too tired. (laughs) (laughs) There were lots of food comas going around. Oh yeah. I saw I saw some of your game playing on Instagram.
0: We had wits and wagers going. We had code names going. We had this one called this but new one Ben Sen picked up another another voice you all know well. Oh yeah. Um what was it called? It was like it was something like "Who's most likely to?" and you just like throw out a really, oh. a really funny like thing in life, and then you had to vote on who in your group would be oh, the most likely like to do. Who's like most that. likely to wake up at 2 a.m. with a half-eaten burrito on their stomach? <laughs> and it was it was lots of laughs. I like
2: that.
0: Great time. There's so much to be thankful for with friends, with good food, everything God has given us, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I'm looking forward to this. So let's mm. just jump right into it. Yeah. Well, I'll go first today and I wanna open it up with a couple quick questions. So I'm gonna I'm gonna just put Steve and Amanda, both of you on the spot. How many times do you think the New Testament Christian is commanded to be thankful? Ooh thankful in the in the new testament
2: are we literally like counting the word thankful is that the yeah
0: well more like just the direct the command the direct commandment yeah. to be thankful yeah mm-hmm. maybe six times okay okay
2: yeah um, we'll say 10 we'll the
0: longer. answer is 6 oh, exactly okay. <laughs> look at this steve yes yes maybe
1: because i saw david's notes <laughs> <laughs> Cheated.
0: and then the next follow up question is how many times do you think new testament christian is commanded to be content.
1: Oh, I have revelation on this one, so I can't answer. <laughs> okay. okay.
2: <laughs> I remember saying it was very low. And when I was looking at scripture verses, it was very low. So I'm really thinking contentment's like three times.
0: Yeah, it, it's like two times. Two it's times. two times. So, I mean, you don't see this as much as you would think is specifically commanded in the Bible, mm-hmm. but it's still just the fact that it's that many times I think does say something. And these two words are very connected. So what we're going to see today is that if you say you believe God is the rightful author and authority over your life and your circumstances, if you believe God genuinely wants what is eternally best for you, if you believe God's grace is truly sufficient, why does discontentment come into the picture? And what does discontentment actually reflect? Francis Schaeffer wrote a book called True Spirituality, and here's one of his observations. He said that when I lack contentment, either I have forgotten that God is God or I have ceased to be submissive to him. Mm-hmm. And I think too often for us that that's really that's really where we're at too. We, we fit in one of those two categories. Schaeffer links this discontent to the lack of thankfulness and it really goes back to we don't look at God the way we should be looking at God. This is an internal fallen state that we all share as, as humans. Uh, but when we don't love the Lord as we should, we really are, and we're not loving our neighbor as we should, we are missing something that God has done for us. We, we are missing the appreciation of his grace and his mercy in our lives. And in Ephesians 5, we see this link to contentment in the truth that giving thanks is part of imitating God and it's part of walking in love just like Jesus did. You see that in Ephesians 5. And so when I am thankful about God's work in my life and I'm acting like and becoming like Jesus, I'm mirroring God in my life. So it's not surprising that we are commanded to give thanks for all things later on in that chapter in Ephesians 5 verse 20. It's an intentional choice to find an aspect of God's grace in everything and to respond with thankfulness. Psychologists would call this reframing. And 2,000 years before there were ever psychologists, the Apostle Paul described it as having the attitude which was in Christ Jesus in Philippians 2, 5 through 8. So we can rejoice and give thanks for God's grace and be at peace in spite of our circumstances. I think C.S. Lewis also helps us out here as well when he writes that we ought to give thanks for all fortune because it is good, if it is bad, because it works in us patience, humility, and contempt of this world and a hope of our eternal country. Then James describes it this way, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So how do we grow in this contentment of God's love for us? Well, the simple answer, which we're going to get into a lot of, uh, we're going to get into this pretty deeply, but the simple answer is that it's as easy as meditating on the grace of God and walking with Him. But there's a crucial link here, this other crucial link that we see in Scripture that I want to press into a little bit further into, and that is the contentment is intrinsically linked with thanksgiving. And we just celebrated Thanksgiving. We were just talking about that. Thanksgiving is a national holiday in America. And I'm so glad you got to experience what, <laughs> what, we do, what we do there, Steve. But it's more than just being with family. And it's more than just eating a lot of food and gorging yourself. It's been firmly established from the very beginning of our nation. You know, all the way back to when George Washington, the first president, established it as a national holiday. And he was looking Back to the pilgrims, you know, one of the richest examples of our Christian heritage, the pilgrims, you know, weren't perfect people just like no one was, but they established a community with religious liberty and those ideals were central to the American experiment. And throughout our nation's history, even in the darkest times, Thanksgiving has been given a special place of priority. Abraham Lincoln, in one of our nation's darkest hours during the Civil War, leaned heavily into Thanksgiving. He established that it should be the last Thursday of November. And if you think back to FDR during the Depression, right before World War II, he refused to let Thanksgiving get overlooked as well. But I've noticed that as our country has gotten progressively more and more secular, we still do look at Thanksgiving as a positive thing. So why is that? Why does culture around us think that we should be thankful? And if you don't know God and God's not in the picture, to whom are you really being thankful to? And and what are you being thankful for? While it's true that Thanksgiving is, in a way, getting completely, you know, swallowed up and in a way like just choked out by Halloween getting bigger and Christmas getting earlier and earlier and earlier. I think we're all a little guilty of that.
2: I did <laughs> because... have my tree up before Thanksgiving. <laughs> you no, know, just saying.
0: Yeah, Amanda, I'm <laughs> talking to you right now um, and my wife who, yeah. who had yeah. her tree up early this year too. <laughs> Part of that was just like 2020 and COVID. Yes. Everybody just wanted a little more joy in their exactly. house. For sure. But I think it's very important that we don't slip into the same thinking of the world that acknowledges being thankful is, is something that just makes you feel better, but doesn't know why or really even who to be thankful for and who to be thankful to. So as a Christian, we need to be careful here. We can have a thankful attitude, but to have that thankful attitude, you have to be content. And it's not just an attitude. If that's If that's it, it's just like, all right, I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to try to be thankful right now, and I'm going to be cheerful, and I'm going to think about something positive. That will come and go. True thankfulness really is rooted in something that's solid like contentment in a relationship with God. So this goes truly into our identity being dependent on the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. He is the author of every good gift and We are the creature. He is the creator. He gives us breath and life. We are made in his image. We are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. So, if contentment is found through thankfulness, I want to really identify an amazing psalm, Psalm 100, that gives us specific instruction on how to give thanks. And these two are intrinsically tied together. So, Psalm 100, and let me go ahead and just read that for those of you who don't happen to have a Bible sitting in your lap right now as you're driving somewhere or washing dishes. Psalm 100, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, serve the Lord with gladness, come into his presence with singing, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, give thanks to him, bless his name for the Lord is good his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations so we can see here that thankfulness is actually an element of worship mm-hmm. the the implication here is you know worship in the temple but even in the old testament here this is really referring to all of god's children no matter where you are give thanks And then you have served the Lord with gladness. There's this singing and celebratory element of thanksgiving. And I love the declaration in verse 3 of God's identity. He is God. He's the beginning and the end, the author of everything. There's no molecule in existence that doesn't trace its existence back to God. No sparrow falls without his knowledge. And then he speaks of us as humans. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. He's a loving shepherd who watches over and cares for us. We're not just objects, but we are subjects. And we were created in order to know him, to worship him, and obey him. So giving of thanks is not just saying thank you. Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving is now declaring that you are thankful and responding with giving. Enter his courts with praise. There's a repetition there. And that repetition is very typical of Hebrew literature and it makes an emphatic point. You can't miss this. Enter his courts with praise. In doing this, you are blessing his name. And verse five gives us this most foundational truth. The Lord is good. God of light, not of darkness, not a God of hate. He is a God whose mercy endures forever. So the more you focus on the character of God, the more your thankfulness for him will just pour out of your mouth. And as it flows out of your being, you are now a person who is living in contentment. So I would say that the way we find contentment is for sure going deeper with our relationship with God. And the closer we get to him, the more we see of our own sin, the more we are aware of his grace and mercy, and the more thankful we are. This element of worship is something that we are commanded to do, and it produces such a contentment that we are just ready to give back. And again, it's the action of being content. This is like a working definition of contentment. I have enough. I have more than enough. So let me give some of this to you, which does bring us back full circle to Ephesians 5. It's just another way that we walk in love and imitate God our Father. Mm -hmm.
2: As we segue into the Christmas season, I know that my thoughts have been filled with what to buy and who to buy for and, (laughs) you know presents under the tree my kids are already asking me can we go to the store and pick out presents and for my you know I mean just everything it's oh, yeah. just it's just piling on top of it and I'm
0: writing lists and you know it's almost like the earlier you start with Christmas shopping the more you get We've, <laughs> no, we almost started true. too <laughs> early in Christmas very shopping true. and it's like you can't really stop well and then
2: you have to store it all yeah. before you can wrap it you know so
0: totally I'm thinking if
1: any, I knew this when I was younger <laughs> yeah start <laughs> <Right. laughs> <It's not> early <laughs>
2: So it's just interesting to me that our topic is on contentment. Um, While there are many things that make us content during the holidays, such as time spent with family and the comfort food that we probably all eat a little too much of, Mm -hmm. um, the glow of the Christmas lights and a warm fireplace, I often find that there are other parts that still leave us wanting more. You know, maybe we struggle financially and we can't really afford the big Christmas we would like to have. Or maybe our family isn't as close as some other families, and we long for that sense of belonging. Or maybe someone is missing a loved one who couldn't come home or has even passed away, and there's just a void that's left behind. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Um, I know a lot of listeners know my story and how we are in a season of financial hardship. So I definitely identify with those who struggle with the holidays and being worried about all the extra spending. Um, Actually, so warning, if you are listening with kids, you might want to not let them listen for the next few seconds i'm gonna tell a little quick story but uh, (laughs) (laughs) disclaimer there so rowan has actually been asking me for christmas for this lego set well they don't make it anymore and so i looked it up on ebay and it's running anywhere from like three to six hundred dollars it's whoa it's it's crazy whoa so i told him i was like you know buddy that's just really expensive i don't know that we're gonna be able to get that And he's like well it's from santa <laughs> so of I was like, course. "Okay, well, um, it's re- they don't make it anymore, so that I don't know that Santa's gonna be able to get it." And he was like, "Well, but the elves make it in the workshop."
0: <laughs>
2: so I'm like, just digging myself into this hole here, and, uh-huh. you know. Uh, I didn't really have an answer, but I, I mean, see
1: Pinocchio's <laughs> nose growing. <up. laughs> I
2: so I mean, while I would love to give him what he really wants, also part of me knows that. One, we don't have the money to spend, and two, he really doesn't need it. He has a thousand Legos, and mm-hmm. in a few weeks, he'll move on to the next thing, like we all do. You know, we buy a new car, and in a few months <laughs> to years, we are ready for a new one. Yeah. We buy a new house, and there's this like never ending to do list of things that we want to get done. Mm-hmm. And by the time Tell we get them all done, it. it's time to redesign again, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, keeping Julie in business.
2: <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I know that not everyone struggles with materialism like I do. Some people aren't content with their spouse or even lack thereof, or their mm-hmm. job or their health. I mean, honestly, the list is endless because the truth is that we were made for heaven. Nothing on this earth will satisfy. But the closest we can get to true contentment um, is found in Philippians four twelve and thirteen. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And I think he's just saying the key in any situation is relying on Christ. Only in him do we find the things that our hearts are so longing for ever since the fall. When we were separated from God through the sin of Adam and Eve, we no longer were whole. We were created to live in constant worship and constant connection with God, and through sin, we can't have that perfect connection here on earth. As Christians, we are closer to that with the Holy Spirit dwelling inside us, but we still long for more when we aren't in constant communion with God. When we allow our eyes to slip off of Him, even for a few seconds, we can begin to see what the world has and how it claims to satisfy. Mm-hmm. We begin to believe we might even be able to have both, that one fit one foot in the world, one foot in the Bible mentality. Yeah. Um, But I know from personal experience that I've found by trying to find fulfillment in both God and the world, we often begin to choose the world. It's much louder and shinier and seems to promise that we can have all that we want now and that we don't have to wait for heaven to have it. Mm -hmm. Um, I was actually visiting back home. We went to North Carolina and I was visiting with a friend that I haven't seen in a long time. And we were talking about she was, we were talking about churches and catching up, and I was telling her about you know, our church here and our life groups, and I'm just super grateful for them because I really need that connection right now. And She was just telling me she's been struggling because in the church we used to go to back home, life groups just aren't, just not a thing. I mm-hmm. mean, they're not really pushing for that, and it's a big church, and you know, she's yeah. really been praying for that for a long time. Um, and she just told me that kind of as she was praying through that, that she just realized that what she's really longing for is heaven. And she just said it was it just was so peaceful for her when she just realized that those yeah. things are great. life groups are awesome and doing community together. I mean, it's something that we do really need here on earth, but for that sure. true intimate connection won't be till we get to heaven. that right. true contentment in that. Um, I just thought that was pretty powerful because that's. What we were created for, and that's why we always kind of feel a little bit of that void when we're searching for that anywhere else.
0: Yeah, all these things that the church does when the church is doing what we're commanded to Mm -hmm. do, like having biblical community, it's a shadow, it's a foreshadowing of what we're ultimately going to experience to the fullest extent with Christ in heaven. And yeah, we're never, I mean, you're never going to have contentment when you're dabbling with. With the world, because it's mm-hmm. always one thing that doesn't completely satisfy. It gets you close and it's not quite there and it's lacking a little bit of yeah. something because you have eternity in your heart. And then you're on to the next thing and then on to the next thing. Exactly. And it's just this rat race. So, and even if you do have,
2: up. you know, those life, I mean, there's their relationships where people, it's messy. Yeah. You know, something's going to happen. And yeah. we're gonna, I mean, that's just life. That's just what we're, how it exactly.
0: got Exactly.
2: So, yeah. I think just kind of, To sum all that up for me, I've just felt like God teaching me through most of my adult life, but really, especially in the past few years, that being content is trusting Jesus to fill the void in my heart. And like you were saying, David, to be thankful for what I've been given. Um, I read a quote earlier when I was doing a little research on this, and it says, Wealth is like seawater. The more you drink, the thirstier you become. (laughs) <laughs> and I, it's so true, and you know, yep. and, and you can yep. honestly substitute anything <laughs> earthly in there. You know, it doesn't have sure. to just be wealth. But I love that it was comparison to seawater because Jesus in John four fourteen says, "But whoever drinks of the water I give him shall never thirst. And mm. The water I give him will become a well of water springing up into eternal life." So everything that our heart truly desires is found in Jesus, and when we drink from Him, we will never be thirsty for this world again.
1: To speak third this evening, which means that most of the stuff I wanted to cover has already been covered. <laughs> However, I, I, I love the richness of, of different perspectives and, mm-hmm. and how that brings out the fullness of the word. So, yeah, so I guess I'll start off with two little stories before I go to <laughs> the this same is a scriptures that Amanda
0: quote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is good though. You batting cleanup, you can just dig in and, uh, and just highlight all the things that we yep, missed. Yep. So. Yeah,
1: okay, so. Maybe, maybe I'll share two examples from my past experience just walking this this Christian life. Back home, there's a friend of mine. His name's Pastor Welcome. He's a Corsa, um pastor, and um, he's an amazing guy. He's, he's not a guy of much um, wealth, and um, basically he's, he's got this family of um, six children. And And Pastor Welcome is sold out for Jesus. He mm. is amazing. So um, some missionaries in Zambia actually donated him this um, pickup truck that he could travel around to get to the different places where he ministers. And one of the areas that he ministered in is a little town called Dordrecht. There's a little township outside, about 300 kilometers for Americans. It's about 200 miles okay, <laughs> from where he lives. <laughs> the thing with Welcome though, is he didn't usually have fuel to go 200 miles Mm -hmm. and so what he would do is he'd set off on the trip with an empty tank you know he probably could do about 20 kilometers or 15 miles or so but he totally trusted that God would provide he was content and and he kind of had this mindset that you know if I don't get there it's well maybe the Lord didn't want me to go and without fail year after year um, every single month he would head up to Dordrecht and go minister to those guys for no reward um, other than doing what God had called him to do and so I saw something in his heart. You know, he was content. He, he didn't worry about whether he had enough money mm. or whether his vehicle was good enough. Mm. He just knew God was going to show up and allow him to do the things he needed to do. So yeah. it was a huge lesson. Um, so I admired him for that and kind of caused me to check my own heart as to, you know, am I content like he is? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's probably one of the best discipling questions we can ask um, a fellow brother. Are you content? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's amazing the answers that you'd get. Um, something else I've seen um, in ministries, people can even make ministry an idol. Can you believe it? Mm. Yeah. Um, and I've seen it with worship leaders. I've seen it with guys leading churches, um, you know, preachers.
2: Celebrity pastors. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and one of the things which um, I thought was amazing in, in one of the movements that we walked in was they would actually ask a person that had made an idol out of something to lay it down until he came to the place of contentment where whether God used him or didn't use him Mm. didn't matter anymore. Mm. And they were able to then fulfill their call without that ambition kind of driving them. Mm. And it was a very beautiful thing to see. So I think contentment in some ways um, is a measure and a test of where hearts are at with God. Mm-hmm. So, I, I love to dig into scripture because I know often my definition and idea of what contentment is doesn't always line up with what's in the Bible. <laughs> so, so, I dug a little bit in the Old Testament, and um, one of the things, I don't know which Bible you grew up with. I grew up with um, New King James. So, all the quotations I know are New King James, you know. Yeah. So, I've really enjoyed reading different translations, and one of the translations I use at the moment is NET. Love it because got all these translation notes, and they give you the original text and mm. some Isn't of the The Dead Bible, yeah, 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 that's a good one. So, so one of the ways that you can explore ideas like contentment or what does it mean to be content is to look in one translation and then check it out in a few different translations. And one of the things you'll find if you research the word content, um, it really is the idea of being full. In other words. I have enough. I don't need any more. I'm Mm -hmm. satisfied, you know. You can check that out in Ecclesiastes 1 verse 8. I I use the NET versus New King James. Um, One of the other ideas are that things are well, you know. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not not yearning for anything else. It's Mm -hmm. like where my heart is, hey, God, I'm good with this because Mm -hmm. you've got me in this place. And then another one which you can pick up from maybe John 14 verse 8 is just this idea of sufficiency. It is sufficient, you know. Mm -hmm. um, the place that I'm in, I really don't need anything else. It's sufficient. Mm. And mm. so so I think those are ideas that help us flesh out some of the dimensions of contentment. Um, and I'm going to pick up on Philippians 4, verse 12 to 13, same as Amanda did. <laughs> and I'm also going to quote um, 1 Timothy from um, 6, verse 6 through to 10. So if you'll bear with me as I read the scripture, like. Um, David said, maybe you at the dishwasher or driving. You don't have your bathroom <laughs> on <laughs> I'm, I'm going to grab that one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right. so Philippians 4.11 says, this is Paul speaking, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, mm-hmm. for I've learned to be content in any circumstance. I've experienced times of need and times of abundance. In any and every circumstance, I have learned and I learned the secret of contentment. Whether I go satisfied or hungry, have plenty or nothing, I'm able to do all things through the One who strengthens me. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know if you know, noticed as we read through that, um, he actually mentions this word "learned." I've learned to be content. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, ah, oh, this is something that doesn't come automatically. You know, mm-hmm. we go through Very life, true. and there's a, there's a, there's a process to this thing, um, and and. The contrast is circumstance, you know. That's the thing that tests whether I am content. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't seem that circumstances aren't good. Maybe I'm unhappy with my circumstance. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the secrets is that you can be content regardless of your situation, regardless of what is in your hand. And Paul says the secret is that I'm able to do all things through the one who strengthens me. So imagine that. It's not how much you own. It's uh, not how educated you are. Mm. It's not where you're positioned in life or what your reputation is. It's am I available mm. to do whatever God calls me to do, and He strengthens me to do it. So it's this total trust yeah. in Him. So there's an element of faith in that, and I, I think you know that that one line is probably quoted by many people. I'm able to do all things through the One who strengthens mm-hmm. me. <laughs> and normally people appropriate that as like. You know, God, you're gonna help me to achieve my agenda. You know, right. my yeah. ambition, my way. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but actually, it's totally tied to this position of contentment. So,
0: and it's so good that the you learn contentment when it's not all on what I can do. It's not all on me anymore. Yeah. It's I can do this through Christ. Mm. So you're you're putting it all on Him, and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And it's not it's not all up to you yeah. to carry everything on your shoulders. So it
1: almost it almost takes care of the whole performance mentality.
0: Mm. You know, mm-hmm.
1: you don't need to perform, you don't need to do to become. You are content because he is sufficient. Remember mm-hmm. that? He's my fullness. He's he's the one that provides everything. So I thought, ah, oh, that's, that's pretty interesting. Anyway, I think 1 Timothy 6, point, uh, 6 verse 6 to 10 was probably written for the American church. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably written for all the churches, including South Africa. <laughs> yeah. So here it goes. Now, godliness combined with contentment brings great profit. For we have brought nothing into this world, mm. and so we cannot take a single thing out either. But if we have food and shelter, we will be satisfied with that. Those who long to be rich, however, stumble into temptation and a trap mm-hmm. and many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is at the root of all evils. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some people, in reaching for it, have strayed from the faith and stared themselves with many pains. And so as mm-hmm. we read this, we kind of see there's this this counterbalance. This, um, if we look at the culture of our time, it probably is, you know, Money is the means to achieving your objectives. Mm-hmm. So it's like whether it's the house or the you know the picket fence or the career yep. or the car mm-hmm. or, or the, the PlayStation. I, you know, I don't know mm-hmm. what it is. <laughs> you know, it's like like this <laughs> is the, the thing. I've got to have it the so Lego that set, yeah. so that I can you know get what get to become yeah. um, or get to be satisfied. Yeah. But the interesting thing is that the Word of God says that you can stab yourself. And you can actually enter into many pains because of the love of money. Mm-hmm. And so we hmm. see that contentment actually is not whether you have much money, and there's nothing wrong with having much money, or having no money. Right. Okay. Um, it's about what what are you able to take out of this life? When you, when you head to eternity one day, mm-hmm. um, you can't take a single thing out. And mm-hmm. so the contentment that we learn in this life actually translates into eternal life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that dimension in fact God works it in us now it's part of this whole fancy sanctification journey you mm-hmm. heard a bit about sanctification on Sunday yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. okay <laughs> yeah yep. so um, I think contentment is a is probably one of the goals of the Christian pilgrimage um, probably yeah. very few people start out content um, but the more we encounter Jesus the more we rest in him the more we live um, in, in what he provides and how he works through us, the greater our contentment. And it's kind of like almost you come to the place of rest, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Hebrews kind of speaks about that in, in chapter 4. Um, it says, make sure you don't come short of the rest of God. And, and that, tied to that is this idea of contentment, no longer striving but trusting God for what needs to happen, hearing what he's saying and doing what he's calling you to do, but not from a performance mindset, mm-hmm. um, being mm. a true son and a true daughter. Um, demonstrating his goodness, so yeah, contentment. Yeah, I think is yeah. It's only mentioned two times, like like mm-hmm. David said, but um, Paul has actually much to say about this. And mm-hmm. um, I would say that personally, I've had great difficulty with this particular subject because mm-hmm. I'm quite an independent person by nature, and I'm yeah. sure most of us are.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but I found that it's one of the things that gives the deepest sense of satisfaction to be content resting in Christ um, and, and I kind of want to almost balance that by saying resting and being content doesn't mean being lazy and doing nothing I was yeah. going to
2: say there's a difference in contentment and complacency and I think yeah. we have to remember that yeah. Yeah. those aren't the same things
1: yeah. yeah yeah, exactly so so I just wanted to bring that little balance in thank you Amanda <laughs> spot on <laughs> well spotted so it's like um, it's unlimited potential because you're content with what God is doing through you mm-hmm. you're not trying to Sure, compete with somebody. You're not trying to compare with somebody, you're resting in who he says you are, Mm -hmm. and you're just being obedient as he calls you to move um, and be a blessing to many people. Yeah,
0: that's that's like it. Yeah, that's just like with Philippians when Paul is talking about a mark of spiritual maturity is that you press on towards the mark. It's like a this almost a holy discontent in the sense that you want you want to do more. For the kingdom. You want to do more for God's glory. But that is completely different than what you're saying here, where we are content in who God has called us to be. Mm-hmm. We're content in what God has given us. And even if that means that we don't have, um, maybe we don't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend in our life mm-hmm. right now, like Amanda alluded to. Maybe we don't have the job that we feel like we need right now. Mm-hmm. You know, when you I, I referenced a couple of these verses at the beginning, but when you really Stop and think that God is going to give you everything you need. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you don't have it right now, there still is a secret in being content in that, like you just brought out. Mm-hmm. It's you can do all things that you need to do through mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And maybe he's teaching you something. Maybe he's preparing you for something. I know I've felt that way mm-hmm. in my yeah. life when I've struggled with contentment before. Mm-hmm. Just like had had good desires. Like I want to be a pastor someday. I want to be a youth pastor. But like, can't do that unless I'm married. And what's going on, God, where, where's the girl in my life? Like I've, I've been there. I know exactly how you feel, but looking back at it now, I appreciate everything I have so much more. Mm -hmm. I value it to a much more like just deeper level. If I would have just had everything I wanted at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So even if you don't have what you feel like you, you need right now, God's probably just going to use that in your life for something greater. Yeah. You can still be content in Him. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and I think also, you know, the idea of contentment is, is it's not tied to the culture of our time. So, yes, so exactly. So, for instance, I mean, I often see this, like you see in church as well. It's like everyone feels like, man, like the, God has got this perfect mate for me, you know. So mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like I know there's a wife out there or a husband somewhere. Um, but, you know, the Apostle Paul was a single man and mm-hmm. he said yeah. that gave him the time to be totally dedicated to the Lord. Yeah. So, So I think... Contentment is not tied to what the world expects of us. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think your contentment is found in who you are in Christ, um, your identity is in him, and because your identity is in him, you're not trying to become somebody else. Um, so just these ideas of being filled, things are well with my soul, insufficiency, Jesus, you are enough.
0: Thank you, Steve and Amanda, and may we all just remember that Thanksgiving season is not the only time to talk about contentment and to let people know how thankful you are and to thank God. Like This has to be an act of our everyday life, our walk with Jesus Christ. As we come into his courts with praise, we sing to him, we give thanks to him. It produces a content heart that is satisfied in Christ, and that's when we are most at, at joy and at peace and, and living in fulfillment of who God has called us to be. So great conversation. Please give us your feedback. Uh, we would love for you to even give us a rating for this podcast that actually helps our reach. I've had, I've had a lot of good reports from just people in our church who've been talking about how much this podcast has meant to them. And and if you'd like to share this with someone else, please do. That's, that's the best way that this podcast spreads. It's just word of mouth. Share this with a friend and we will see you again next week. You are loved.